Last season began with lots of hope for White Sox fans, and whoops, did not end too well. This year, there's a lot of pessimism going to the season. Does that mean it's going to go great? Let's find out when Nick Murawski of Locked On White Sox joins us for today's episode of Locked On MLB. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all the Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. If you don't believe me, then why would I have... The lower third that says Sully right there. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who has been a baseball podcaster for the last more than a decade now. This is now the beginning of my fifth season here at the Lockdown Podcast Network. Where is your team every day? I'm recording from the luxurious and rain-drenched Lockdown MLB studios in Pasadena, California, overlooking the historic Rose Bowl. Wow, I didn't realize I moved to Oregon. If you've been in L.A., it was snowing. What's going on here? Up is down, black is white, and the White Sox don't know what's going on. We're going to be talking about that today. Follow us at Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter or Instagram. I'm your pal, Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. And be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel as we're working very slowly to 1 billion subscribers. Please, please help us get to 1 billion. We're several hundred million short of the goal. But hey, uh, my goal today was very simple, get friend of the podcast, Nick Murawski, back on the show to talk a little bit about that oh-so-very-strange franchise that plays in the south side of Chicago, the the one whose stadium I visited uh, last year. There was no game being played there, but I decided to visit it anyway. That's the kind of baseball fan I am. And from the secret Chicago White Sox fan cave comes Nick Murawski, surrounded. <laughs> yeah. By White Sox goodness. By the way, before we get into that, are you? I think you're wearing the. Is that the 1917 hat? That you uh, well, it's it it is. It's like a hybrid. This is their new. This is their spring training hat that they oh, okay. introduced uh, last season. But it borrows from the 1917, 1919 kind of era. You know, uh, you and I have talked about this. Uh, podcasting legend Jimmy Pardo and I have talked about this. I think it's time for a facelift for the look of the Chicago White Sox. I think they it, it used to be every other year they would have a new state, a new uniform they wore, and they've been staying with their traditional go-go socks, 2005 socks, you know, uniforms for a long time now. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but I, I think it's time to mix it up. I would love it if they always went to the 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 wit and ugly uh uh 1983 yeah the hitman logo yeah yeah i wouldn't mind that but you know i like that their their spring training hat is they're mixing things up let's go back to that logo for a little bit you know as long as they don't have the curse of c which i thought looked like an e which i thought was just a little too weird but I, I I like that hat. I like to mix yeah. things up a little bit. Mix up our yeah. picture. They have so many uniforms. Oh my goodness, you're right. They were changing one after another, mm-hmm. and you know they've got the city connects now. And yep. on Sundays they wear the '83s. I love uh, them. This uh, I love them. 
you know, this is obviously uh, what 40, the 40th anniversary this year of the 1983 team. Um, yep. So they're going to keep those around, but if they would take that logo and maybe uh, do a black and white version, I, I wouldn't mind that at all. By the way, can I just say, I know when Nick and I were prepping for the, pulling back the curtain, when we were prepping for this podcast, we, we sort of knew what we were going to be talking about. And as usual, we take any of that prepping and we throw it right into the garbage because our, our conversations go this way. Is it just me or is sometimes the spring training hats and logos that they wear better than the actual hats they wear during the, the regular season? Like, not just for the White Sox, like the, the Royals have the KC with the crown on it during spring training, or the Astros have the circle around there, and the Texas Rangers have the TX with the the, the state of Texas on it. I'm going like, um, those are better than your regular hats. Why don't you just wear those hats? During the, during yeah, the I guess you could think of it like an album for folks that don't know what albums are. You know, you can figure that out. But like, I would say it's uh, the spring training look is like the B side. It's a little bit more creative. It's a little, maybe it's not going to get the radio play. It's not as buttoned up, but it's experimental uh, where, you know, your regular uniforms are a little bit buttoned up. Yeah. So in other words, Using a Beatles analogy, the regular season would be Penny Lane and the spring training would be Tomorrow Never Knows. Yeah, there you go. There you it's go. Simple I, as that, I, I, I honestly can't think of a better analogy than that. <laughs> Maybe what the, I'll tell you, you want this just hit me. What the White Sox should do, because they've had so many. They've had the, the, the socks across the jersey, like the Harold Baines, Ron Kittle specials in the 80s. You had the, uh, um, you know, the lapels. And the you know the Chicago like that was the, the hitman the nineteen seventy seven yeah Richie Zisk yeah. all of them in you know Claudel Washington wore those you know those are for the you can wear those you wear the ones that have the red pinstripes the Dick Allen specials yep then you have the Frank Thomas specials like they wore you know the ninety five unis then maybe you do the Curse of Seas which yep. I like to call the. Uh, <laughs> call those the dark ages that well was, that that uniform right there though that was the last uniform of comiskey park the original true. the so that that's that true. holds a little bit of a special place now it's getting some more play amongst fans because okay. 1990 they wore that uniform from 87 to 90 90 right. was the last year of, uh, of of old comiskey and then you have the like the hat you have yeah. where it's like it's the the ox in between the the curves mm -hmm. and the s yep and then you wear the 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 there was one where the X was made of two baseball bats. Yes. Yeah. And and the O was a ball, which I thought that was pretty awesome. Nineteen twenty something. The thing yeah, you just don't want to do though is go back to the wool jerseys. You don't want to go to the hundred no, percent no. wool, the wool jerseys with the three quarter uh, sleeves. But I bet if we roll up our sleeves, our proverbial <laughs> sleeves here, okay, we could come up with seven variations of the white Sox uniform yeah. have one be the sunday one be the tuesday every day they come out with something and i'm sure mlb would love that and they would approve it 100 percent. they love ah. that kind of stuff <laughs> oh man okay we're, we're we've got off the rails a little sure. bit here anything to not talk about the 2022 white Sox? yeah who yeah. went in you know what i'll tell you what the the 2022 white Sox, in some ways in my opinion should be used as like a cautionary tale uh, of what you do when you don't, when it's clear the manager isn't working, but you don't make the change. Like the Phillies, the, the, the two teams that were great in 1983, the Phillies and the White Sox. The Phillies saw, they had a they had a high-profile manager in Joe Girardi, World Series champion, former manager of the year, 
it wasn't working, but they didn't say, well, he's Joe. Well, things will work itself out. They made the change. The culture of the team shifted. And obviously we saw they got to within two wins of winning the World Series. Yeah. You had a very talented White Sox team, albeit with a razor thin rotation by the end of the year. And it was so clear to anybody with two eyes that LaRusso wasn't working. And LaRusso yeah. wasn't the whole problem, but boy, oh boy, it's a big Jenga piece that they could have removed. And yeah, it, it you know, there was a ton of injuries, uh, which I think the front office kind of hid behind of like, well, what what would you do with this team? No matter if we changed LaRusso or not, we don't have our core players all on the field at the same time, you know. Uh, but you're right. I mean, once Miguel Cairo came in and again, he, he kind of he started off and it was boy, the team was responding. They were on a roll. I think it was. It was around the time you and I talked towards the yeah. end of the season. It was like, this yeah. team might have a chance to get back in a playoff competition. And then they kind of fizzled out after they got absolutely embarrassed by Cleveland. Well, uh, Cleveland, the- Cleveland steamrolled both Chicago and Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, they basically said, this is, they, they said, F this, this is our division. They put it under both. It was impressive. Arms. It absolutely yeah. was impressive what they did with that talent. And I think the Sox went into the season with a lack of urgency. Hey, we're the defending division champs. Uh, we're going to run this thing back, uh, you know, and, and Cleveland, you know, and among, and a lot of other teams said, no, you're not. Uh, we're, we know how to beat you. You've got two corner outfielders that aren't outfielders. We're going right. to take every extra base possible. You know, yeah. you and then once we started, you know, getting the injury bug, which has been a problem for the Sacks for several years, they just outplayed us. Most yeah. teams just completely outplayed us as soon as the first pitch happened. But I, you know, and again, I, and I'm not trying to, I, I'm not going to try to knock on this too much, and I won't focus on much more than this than this segment. I do think that if you if there's this thing pressing down on the team, that if you sort of pull that tooth. If they had pulled that tooth early, and there would have been, it's the easiest, they had the easiest way to pull the tooth of, uh, uh, you know, Larusa being the tooth, which was say, Tony, it's not working. We're not going to fire you. We're not going to humiliate you. You know, we can just say, we're promoting you to vice president of Franks and Beans, Beans and Franks, assistant to yeah. the general, whatever, and you could create a title for him. Not a single person would have looked like looked down upon Larusa. He would have been able to say his last final season was a division champ. Blah blah blah, all these different things, and I just every team has injuries, every team has massive injuries, every team has, gets decimated with injuries. So I mean, especially you know, the way that pitching staffs are handled now. So I I I'm not gonna you know give too much credence to well they were there they had a ton of injuries you know every team goes through that and they got a out of the blue Cy Young caliber season out of Dylan Cease. And they got some effective starts out of Johnny Cueto. They, I mean, not not that he was his old self like he was with the Reds, but he still was a lot more than I thought they were going to squeeze sure. out of him. Yeah. And yes, I know Anderson was gone for most of the year, and their outfield was an absolute mess. But you know, that's when I say so was Atlanta Braves where they picked up the Jorge Solares and the Jock Petersons, and they wound up winning the freaking World Series. It, go, make, uh... go make the adjustments. Yeah, exactly. Go make the adjustments. And they just not, did not have the coaching staff to do that. Uh, I don't think the people that were surrounding uh, Tony LaRusso were very forward thinking at all. Uh, it wasn't a team of rivals. It was my way or the highway. And, 
you know, yes, replacing Tony LaRusa would have been the the easy decision, but who put Tony LaRusa in place? Jerry Reinsdorf. Yeah, and you and right. if you want to go back to the early 80, 80s conversations, you know, why Tony LaRusa became part of the White Sox organization yet again. Uh, no one maybe will ever know, but it's it's a belief that, of course, it was Jerry Reinsdorf putting him in place uh, after Ricky Renteria. So you're not going to tell the owner, you know what, we're going to we're going to take care of Larusa here and and get rid of him. It was just a bad situation. They needed a boost of some kind, kind of like what yeah. I need a boost. And I grabbed myself a built bar. Let me just tell you <laughs> something. Built bars, they're getting better and better. They're you're. You know, it's soon. I mean, it's raining like crazy here, but once the rain subsides, it's going to be springtime. You're not going to be wearing big, bulky winter clothes anymore. You want to look good, don't you? Well, guess what? You got to try your Duke bars. Not kidding. They're healthy and they're tasty, covered in 100% real chocolate, and they have great flavors. Churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. My personal favorite is the raspberry. I love the raspberry and chocolate because you got that kind of tanginess going on there. It's almost like a jelly donut. It's fantastic. It tastes so good. Do you know how they do it? I don't know. They won't tell me. They taste like candy bars while maintaining amazing macros. And what's better, they're healthy. You want some stats? I know we're stats-oriented here in baseball. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein. That is very high in the macros above replacement protein bar, which is the sub, which is the stat that they like to use here at the Lockdown Podcast Network. And you don't have to wait around for a box either. Remember that? We used to wait for it to come in the box. I check the mailbox every day. Where are my bill bars? Where are my bill bars? Don't worry about it. Go to Walmart. Go to the pharmacy section. Get your box of bill bars. Four-bar box. Cookies and cream, double chocolate, coconut puffs. You got them. Or you go to Sam's Club, grab a 13-bar box, 13 bars. You got great flavors, brownie batter, churro, you name it, they got it. That's why you got to be going to get yourself some Built Bars, just like the jingle tells you, Built Bars, they're real good. Okay, now we're here with uh, Nick Murawski, who is looking around, not realizing that there were lyrics that we were supposed to sing on the Built Bar ad read. I didn't know. No, I'm I'm totally full of it. Um, <laughs> as if you didn't know. Okay, let's uh, let's tackle. Let's let's try to be positive first. Sure. Okay. Because um, there was a uh, again, the first thing that out of my mouth was going to be something really negative, and I said, no, 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 no. Let's 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 attempt to be positive here. Um, the the White Sox. Uh, I, you know, I thought they were just going to when Larusa stepped down. I really thought they were just going to hand the car keys to uh, uh, to Miguel Cairo based upon the fact that he, he had familiarity with the team. They seemed to at least initially respond well to them, but they didn't. They didn't. And uh, I'm going to have you say the manager's name because every time I've said it, it's uh, I've mispronounced it. Eventually, I'll, I'll, I'll say it correctly. But with someone with a name like Murawski, I'm sure you've been correcting people's pronunciation your whole damn life. Yeah. Uh, so please tell us about the new manager of the White Sox and what the initial response is for him. Pedro Grifol, uh, you know, he... Uh, Grifol, hold on, Grifol. I'm write that phonetically yeah. right here. <laughs> yeah, he was... Uh, 
Uh, he's the end result of apparently a very exhaustive managerial search. And uh, the first time the White Sox went outside of the organization to find their manager since maybe the early 90s, uh, Gene Lamont, White Sox fans know that name. And, you know, it, they were they were looking for somebody with uh, you know experience, uh, successful experience, you know, managing before, forward thinking. I believe talking about metrics and numbers and the new language of baseball. And you know, I I they landed on Pedro Grafal, and I and it was Rick Hahn, the general manager. I think his opportunity to finally hire. Uh, a manager. This is his guy. So if this right. guy is successful, Rick Hahn is successful. That was not the case with uh, La Russa, as we mentioned before. Was that now, the case with Renteria? Was, was Renteria well, Renteria his... was the bench coach for Robin Ventura. So okay. you want to talk about no managerial search. It was simply, okay, Robin Ventura is stepping down, which was the smartest decision ever. He should have never been hired, but that's again, another episode. Uh, Renteria, which I liked, was brought in and, you know, he was not retained after the 2020 season after we got bounced by the A's. So Grafol, you know, I don't think he brings in, you know, the when you think of success, it was like, okay, he was around for the Kansas City Royals World Series. And mm-hmm. um, but he doesn't have any, you know, prior uh, MLB managerial experience. However, his resume speaks for itself. You know, he has done just about everything you can, spent a long time with the Royals organization. Everybody speaks so highly of him. Uh, and I think it was just moving into a different direction for the White Sox, different mentality, a different culture. We're going to start doing things a different way. And he's been allowed to bring pretty much his own coaching staff in. You know, he's brought some right. some guys from the Royals. Uh, he brought a Jose Castro hitting coach for the Atlanta Braves and everything you read during the offseason again. It's just been the off season and all these great quotes and everybody's in the best shape of their lives and all this kind of stuff. (laughs) But I like what I've been hearing. You know, I like how he's going to, you know, attack spring training and what his plans are and the chemistry and the communication. And he's been having meetings with players and asking for their input. How do you want to see things run? And that's how he's running things right now in Arizona. So I wasn't particularly, you know, high on Grafol when he first was hired, a little skeptical, but mm-hmm. I'm starting to really buy into what he's selling. It's one thing to say it. Now you got to get the players to buy into it. Right. Uh, first of all, I just want to say, like, you mentioned Gene Lamont, who was the manager <laughs> of the White Sox in the early 90s. Well, they had, they had success under Lamont, especially yeah. 93. And they in 90, if the 94 season would have played out to its entirety, who knows that it may have been a Chicago Montreal World Series seeing Tim Raines back in Montreal. Um, but uh Lamont was a lieutenant of Jim Leland, who was a lieutenant of Tony LaRussa yep. from when when uh LaRussa was managing the White Sox. So there was still at least there was some tentacles or some at least tangential relation to uh, Lamont with the White Sox at that point. You you made two really great points uh, in what you were saying about that, about Grafal, other than making me finally understand how to pronounce his last name. Um, it it does, There's two things about it that I think, if you're a White Sox fan, should be encouraging. There was a sense that there was a real, dis- at least from an outsider's point of view, there was a sense there was a real dysfunction on the team. La Russa was there because... 
Reinsdorf had just watched the Michael Jordan thing where he was, oh boy, I made some bad decisions about Phil Jackson. I probably should have let Tony LaRusso go. Tony, are you still here? Tony, you want to come back? I mean, I'm, I'm part of me is 100% convinced that's what happened. But the other th- thing was that you got a sense that ownership wanted one thing, management wanted another thing, and it's sort of the house divided situation. You saw just as an outsider that the 2022 White Sox. And to a degree, the 2021 White Sox, who managed to at least win the division and and get into the playoffs, you know, albeit they didn't get very far, but at least they won the freaking division. You could see these two years. It was there were there was there, there were two captains, and with Grafal being a Han hire, this is like okay, we're all in sync right now, at least for now. Let's all speak where we're all facing the same direction. And I'm, I look at, I'm not a player, despite the rumors, I've never played for the White Sox, but you must think that somewhere in that, in, if you're in a dysfunctional organization, when you come into work every day, you must, pardon me, you must be looking around going like, okay, what's going on today? What, what are we yeah, doing today? I, I think there was a, a general respect for La Russa because obviously, you know, look he's at his resume, he's yeah, a hall yeah. of famer and he should be a hall of famer. Yes. And it's like, okay, he's here. I'm going to listen, but maybe it wasn't necessarily buying in. And and now I get the impression from guys like Yohan Mankata and, and Anderson, who went to driveline in Washington and like mm-hmm. is trying to get better. Mankata entering his seventh season. We yeah. still don't know his ceiling. You know, he has been answering every text, every message Grafola is leaving, like asking questions and wanting more of Grafola, like, what did you see with this White Sox team when you were with the Kansas City Royals? Like, what did you mm-hmm. see of me from a distance? I want to get better. How can I get better? And he is, I think he's at the point of his career, as are so many players on this team, of time is now, you know. Right. And, uh, you know, of course, everybody's hoping for health and a return to accustomed levels. But I think it's the preparedness you're going to see out of Griffol, the urgency, and doing the little things uh, playing the game right, it's just fundamentals, and that's what they're going to get back to. Yeah, and I and that was another thing I want to bring up. He's coming. It, it's actually there's two. You, you bring it up another. You're always bringing up the good points, Nick Morowski. That's what you. This is what you do. And if you want more like this, subscribe to Locked On White Sox. It's like this all the time there. <laughs> now, it's the thing I really liked about it was that it was beyond just this is we're we're in unison. This is my guy, and we're gonna we're gonna be lock stock. You know, we're, we're in unison here. But it was also an acknowledgement that we have to turn the page. What we were doing for it wasn't working. That we have to have a different mindset moving forward. And it's almost like the admission is the first part. Like, okay, we admit that this is what we were doing wasn't working. We got to try something new here. And when you look at, and this is one thing you brought up about, like, the, the there were Teams were going first to third on their outfielders all the time. They were the White Sox were making mental errors and and like why are you bringing in this pitcher now? And Larusso was making decisions that were like, you know, what the heck are you? What in the wide wide world of sports is going on yeah. here? And the thing about those Royals teams that went to the World Series in back to back years, especially the the team that won in twenty fifteen, but the, also the team that you know, went to the World Series from the wild card game. They were teams that there was great team speed. They were going from first to third on every hit. When some of the speed wasn't because they were all jackrabbits, 
but you saw like Alex Gordon was making great, you know, Eric Hosmer was making great base running decisions and they were always throwing to the right base. They were always making, you always knew that they, you know, they got teams back on their heels. You saw really fundamentally sound teams like, you know, the, like the Mets, like Mm -hmm. the, like, you know, like, you know, Baltimore on their heels because you knew they weren't going to make mental mistakes. Yeah, you know, it's physical uh, mistakes happen, but they were never going to throw to the wrong base. They never were going to. They were always going to try to push it first to third, and they would squeeze. Like I mean, if you, the the classic play that tied the fifth game of that World Series when it was a ground ball to third, Hosmer, you know, Hosmer waited just long enough before breaking home and forced them to throw a wild throw to home plate to tie the game. They always did that, and if that could seep into the White Sox who have talent and now do everything right. That's almost a a culture change that, you know, you're removing the, what are you doing elements of it? Yeah. It's a, it's a proactive, not reactive uh, initiative and it's setting yourself up for success. And uh, Jose Castro has spoken of this in the off season of, you know, you're not, there's no guessing games when you go up to face a hitter. Like you've already done the homework. We're going to prepare you to know what you should expect from an opposition on the mound. And those little things, I didn't hear a lot about that in, in previous off seasons under La Russa and his coaching staff. Now you also, you know, you've got, a, like you had mentioned, a team that is very talented, yet we don't know some of the ceilings of these guys. I don't know what Luis Robert Aloy Jimenez can actually do if they stayed on the field for over a hundred games. That has not happened. You know, Lucas Giolito is hoping for a bounce back here. He has shed weight. He's got back to his old, you know, agile pitching, you know, repeatable pitching motion. Uh, Yasmani Grandal, this is a walk year for him. You know, he's put a ton of work. He stayed in Chicago. He was working with a Chicago Blackhawks goalie coach, you know, working on, you know, stances and, you know, crouches and doing stuff with his legs to better prepare himself. You got Andrew Benatendi, who's going to be an actual left fielder playing left field for the Chicago White Sox and a left hit and a left-handed hitter. We didn't have a single hitter hit over 20 home runs last season. You might have six guys that can do it this year. All right. We're here with uh, Nick Murawski of Locked on White Sox. Now let's do the let's do the hard part here. Um, yeah, you mentioned Andrew Benintendi, and as a native New Englander, rooted for the Red Sox his whole life. Obviously, I I adore Andrew Benintendi. It's strange that the biggest free agent signing in the history of the Chicago White Sox is oft injured, and you talk about the uh, a varying ceiling. There's sometimes he looks like an all-star, a, you know, the, the second coming of Fred Lynn, and sometimes he looks like, oh, yeah, this is just not working out. Um, and, yes, he's a better left fielder than anyone they threw out there. Yeah. It just seemed like uh, it's like, especially after Abreu, uh, the defection of Abreu to Houston, which, again, he was a you know, huge part of the team that won – you know, that went to the playoffs in the truncated season and the, the team that won the division. He's now going to Houston. This has been a strange off season. And then, yeah. of course, Cle- I mean, I'm not going to get into all the everything involving Clevenger because things are still under investigation. I don't want to talk about mm-hmm. things as if they're, you know, as if they're final. But at the same time, 
you know those things are going to be going any amount of homework you know that there's there was baggage that came with him that you're going to go out of your way to to import that baggage onto a team where you're trying to make it more functional rather than dysfunctional and it seems like clevenger is going to be the topic of conversation in spring training as opposed to hey we've turned the page we're trying to be you know more focused on the game and the fundamentals and you invite that in it just made it for it was a very confusing off season from an outsider um yeah um well clevenger i mean clevenger was signed like like he was white hot like at the beginning of the off season like they had to have clevenger and i was a little skeptical just before we knew all the baggage he was bringing in of, well, you know, can he return? How come the Padres don't want to give this guy another shot? You you've heard about kind of his character issues, you know, when he was in Cleveland and okay, you're going to make him a fifth. The thought the money was a little strange. It seemed like a little high to give that guy, but um, you know, yeah, I, it's a mess. It was a mess at the beginning of spring training and, you know, to your point, like, I almost don't want to dwell on it anymore. It's like, let this investigation sort itself out. Um, I think the best thing that can happen right now for the Sox is for games to be going on. Like, let's get some action. Um, You know, the Ben attendee thing, I think they targeted a left fielder. They targeted someone that has got a lefty bat. And I think, I think Pedro Grafal had a lot to do with that. It's like, I know this guy from Kansas city. I've got a, I've got a bit of a wish list here of how I want to form a team. And, uh, you know, they went after him again. Socks aren't going to outspend anybody, but what was it? 85 million. Um, yeah, that's big for the Chicago White Sox, unfortunately. And that's a whole nother ball. of yeah. wax. Well, you actually, you made a great point there that he had his rebound with Kansas city. Like the Red Sox gave up on him. You know, they got, you know, they made the great catch in the playoffs against the Astros got a couple of big hits and thank you very much. Take your ring. When yes, Astros fans, there was a lot of there, there. There was a lot of stuff the Red Sox were doing in 2018. I always have to bring that up because Astro fans always accuse me of not bringing that up, even though I bring it up every single time I talk about 2018. But that's not the point. Um, he did rebound with Kansas yeah. City, and he had a very, very good first half of the season. I made the All Star team, granted yeah. out of Kansas City, where they need to have a live body <laughs> represent the team in the All Star game. But if they could get that. Andrew Benintendi in left field, right? I mean, that is such a, uh, yeah, a, a huge, huge, a huge, yeah. Improvement. It's hopefully his hand has healed, you know, that he's a hundred percent. But you got guys like Mike Tosar and Eddie Rodriguez that are coming over from Kansas City that, you know, Tosar is going to be involved in hitting. Uh, Rodriguez is your third base coach. So Grafol had other eyes probably that he said, What do you think? You know, should we bring uh, Benintendi in? Should we go after this guy? And you know, again, it's just if you if you watched White Sox baseball, you had Andrew Vaughn playing out in left field. He's a infielder. I mean, he's going to be your new first baseman. Um, yeah. So and he's going to take over Jose Abreu and no one's ever going to replace Jose Abreu. He will have his number retired. He will have a statue in my mind eventually. But the Sox weren't going to pay what Houston paid. Houston made Jose Abreu like their their guy like we, this is the guy we are going after and mm-hmm. i think jose abreu also wanted out i think he wanted to go win a ring and he saw what was going on in chicago and he's like you know what you did not surround me with talent i had to do this all on my own yeah um i thank you for everything but i'm gonna go try to chase a, a championship um and 
That's that was that's it with it. And I'm okay with it. I'm okay. It's tough to see him in an Astros jersey, but I'm really excited for the Andrew Vaughn era to begin. Well, he keep in mind, people, he did sign to stay longer with the White Sox than he than he had to. He did give the White Sox nine years, which means he went beyond the six years before his free agency eligibility. And he said, hey, he stuck. He very clearly wanted to win with the White Sox. He very yeah. clearly didn't want to be traded away when it looked like they may have been dangling him. And he very clearly, when they went to the playoffs in the COVID year and when they won the division in 2021, I'm sure he was saying, okay, here we go. Here we go. This is why I stuck around. Yeah, I, I think, you know, he made it. There was a, there's a couple quotes, uh, but essentially he would say, hey, if the Sox don't sign me, I'm going to sign myself to this team. Like, I want yeah. to stay in a White Sox uniform. And that's probably never a good you know, negotiating strategy, but <laughs> uh, that's what he did. And he's a fan favorite. And yeah. I just think he thought, wait a second, like surround me with some some guys Like go out and spend money, like try to break the bank here. We're so close. Yeah. I need, you know, lightning to the thunder here. And it, it just didn't quite happen. And so when they drafted Andrew Vaughn in 2019 in the first round high, it was a very high pick. Mm-hmm. You kind of saw it as a White Sox fan. You're like, you knew it was coming. Well, with, and with, with Abreu, I'm sure there's a part of him thought, like if you had Ro- Luis Robert, Loy Jimenez, and Yon Mankata healthy and hitting the ceilings, I think everyone thought they were going to hit. Then he would that would have been three all stars surrounding him, and that would have been a great you know along with Tim Anderson being healthy. I mean, if you like, let's say those three became the players everyone thought they were going to be, plus a Brayu, plus a healthy Tim Anderson, right there. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's well, five players in your lineup that you could. That's a core that you could build around. And, and that now remove Jose Abreu, but that what you just said is why Sox fans uh, that haven't been completely burned are now with the first spring training games happening. Why that there's this sense of hope? Because what if, what if all of those guys not have career years, but just get you know just stay on the field and have can have really good years? Wow, what can we do? And our pitching can stay healthy. A lot of ifs, but that's what's giving you hope. Do you know where that happened? Do you know where that happened? Where a bunch of players for a couple of years maybe didn't become superstars, but things started clicking? Kansas City with Lorenzo Kane and Mustakas and Gordon and Alcides Escobar and uh, uh, and Salvador Perez and a yeah. bunch of those players for a couple of years. Things worked out, and yes, it worked. Then Mustakas got this big hit. You know, Alcides Escobar goes first to third. All those 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 pieces for a couple of years, things started to fall into place. And of course, if if any stretch could give you back to back World Series and a title, I'm sure every White Sox fan would take that. Yeah, it's. Uh... You know, you got you got just so many players that we're just waiting. You know, we're waiting to see what they can do. And, uh, you know, uh, the pitching is not as, as deep as I would have liked it. Obviously, you know, th- we've got some injuries. You know, Liam Hendricks is focusing on things that are more important than baseball right now. And everybody's hoping that he can, you know, yeah, just keep exactly. battling. And, yeah. you know, whatever we can get from him, if anything, it's just there's more important things. But, you know, they're making some bullpen decisions in the spring. And, and I do like... You know, I do like Cease, uh, Lynn, Kopech, and and I do I, I am back on the Giolito train. I think mm-hmm. what he's done to his body, shedding some weight, leaner, more agile, more flexible, returning back to what he was, 
you know, in 2019 or so. I'm excited to see that. I'll just, I, I don't want to end on a negative note, but this is something, it's similar to something I said to Bryce Patrick, because, and again, these are two, these are two totally different situations. The DeGrom signing and the Clevenger signings are two completely different situations. But one thing I said about that, and I'll say that's similar about the Clevenger signing, is the red, the biggest red flag for me was that the Padres were throwing money around at everybody and anybody, and they didn't throw it at him. The Mets were throwing money around like like they're like it was like the Joker had just lit their giant pile of money on fire, and they were just trying to grab whatever money they could out of that. And yet they let Degrom go. They didn't make the big pitch to bring him back. And those are red flags to me that the teams that are throwing money around like crazy didn't fight to retain them as hard. And so that that yeah. gave me a little pause. But yeah. here's what I'm hoping. Here's what I'm hoping as as an outsider, because I like the White Sox. They have some of my favorite players in all of baseball. And it would be fun to see them sort of find their inner 2015 Royals. Players. Yeah, I want them to have fun, right? Yeah. Like, that's what you like. Have fun, you know, and uh, and I, th- I again, um, I'm going to go out to spring training, you know, soon. I'm going to see it firsthand. But everything I read, all the, you know, again, uh, it, it just ha- there's a different vibe. There, there's a different mm-hmm. feeling. And and I hope, again, that can just uh, that can continue to grow. And, you know, winning can take care of a lot of things. But I think it's like when you like the people you play around and you want to play for them. And, you know, Elvis Andrews had a great quote. It's like every team has talent, but it's the teams that can, you know, gel. It's the teams yeah. that have the chemistry that can really get things going, playing with some urgency at the beginning of the season, and then you never know what can happen. And the biggest thing in in, in response to Elvis Andrews, who signed with the White Sox as well, is the dysfunction of the last couple of years where we're you have two different direct. It seems like there are two different directions we're going on there. We're going to move in one direction now, and just and maybe that is that, that that step of we're just changing what it's going to be like to be in the White Sox because whose team is this? What we're, what are we even doing here? This yeah. is what we're doing. This the veteran presence, uh, you know, you just can't you can't put a you can't put a price on that. I guess you can one year, one three million dollars. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you know, for some of these young guys that were going to start second base, Romy Gonzalez, Lenin mm-hmm. Sosa, they're like, okay, you know, I get to watch from Elvis Andrews, who's starting right. his 15th year uh, in the big leagues and has done pretty well for himself. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's great to know who your second baseman is early. Anderson and Andrews can get the chemistry going short and second, you know, and then, you, and then you're vying for like bench players, utility guys, uh, which is not a bad competition. Right. Well, hey, Nick, thanks so much for joining us. And hey, everyone else, thanks so much for making Locked on MLB your first listen. Your second listen, obviously, make that be Locked On White Sox. Now for your third listen. Keep them going. Check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. Win your league. Listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring the best fantasy draft strategies. Find Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network where it is indeed your team every day. Hey, Nick, thanks so much for jumping on today's show. Tell people where they can listen to you. 
Yeah, thanks, Sully. Uh, so yeah, Lockdown uh, White Sox on Twitter at Lockdown White Sox. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, all that fun stuff. And then I'm on Twitter at Nick underscore uh, GGTB. Sully, really appreciate the time. Absolutely, and you're going to be on during the regular season. Let's start to see if the uh, the the White Sox can find their inner 2015 mm. <laughs> uh, Kansas City Royals. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Me too. For Nick Murawski, the host of Locked On White Sox, I am the host of Locked On MLB. My name is Paul Francis Sullivan. Please, I'm begging you, call me Sully.